our challenge today is real and every single person affected uh, um, it, 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 it is kind of for us, I know, is, is painful. And, um, uh, and we want to see everyone completely safe. I'm also grateful that the crime rate of the 90s, of the 80s, uh, of, the, of the 2000s, and all of, the, of those years, um, that that is also in our past and that we have less homicides and less violent crime uh, than we've had. Welcome to the show, folks. You're listening to KLBP, Long Beach Public Radio. My name is Kevin Flores, editor at Forth.org, and this is City Council Meeting Notes, bringing you a recap of what went down at the Long Beach City Council meeting each week. We'll talk about the decisions, the stakes, and the occasional drama. That was Mayor Robert Garcia you heard at the top of the show during a study session the council held on Tuesday to discuss violent crime prevention strategies. We'll get to that later in the show. First, the council had a lengthy discussion about when to schedule Long Beach's municipal elections, an issue that's probably more tricky than you may think. Let's go over the cliff notes. The story starts way back in 2015 when the state legislature passed the California Voter Participation Rights Act. Now, the bill forced cities with a turnout rate of below 25% to align their local election dates with the state in an effort to boost turnout. Long Beach was one of those cities with dismal turnout. In the 2014 mayoral primaries, only 7.5% of voters showed up to the polls. And it got even worse in 2018, when only about 13% of registered voters cast the ballot. So to comply with state law, the council voted to schedule city elections so that they would line up with state elections beginning in 2020. And, what do you know, turnout jumped way up. The March 2020 primary saw a 40% turnout, while the November runoff races saw a whopping 75% turnout. Of course, this was helped by the fact that it was a highly contested presidential year. But still, good news for democracy. Then, in late November of last year, the California Supreme Court ruled that the state law didn't apply to charter cities like Long Beach. This meant our election dates could revert back to the election dates laid out by the city charter, which says local primaries are held in April and runoff elections are held in June. Now that would be easy enough, except that there's another wrinkle. The city's newly formed redistricting commission is currently in the process of redrawing the council district lines, but the process is being held up because delivery of data from the latest census has been delayed. The state and county require the city to have its new districts drawn six months before an election, and it's looking unlikely that that work will be done in time to hold the 2022 primaries in April. So what did the council eventually decide on Tuesday? Well, they asked the city attorney to do a couple of things. One, prepare a resolution to align the 2022 municipal election dates with those of the state. And two, to draft the charter amendment ballot measure for 2022 to make those changes permanent. Both of these will have to come back to the council for a vote at a future date. 
But at the end of the day, Mayor Garcia says he prefers elections to be consolidated because they boost voter participation. I mean, personally, this is to me, this is uh, a civil rights issue. And just as striking was um, when I had a chance to review the turnout numbers for our disenfranchised communities. When you look at like um, AAPI voters, uh, black voters, um, Latino voters, uh, voters that typically have had lower turnouts, uh, the numbers all dramatically increased when we went to the consolidated elections. And while this is probably good news for the democratic process here in Long Beach, it will make for a discrepancy in the length of local political campaigns. If you remember, California changed its primary election date during presidential years to March in order to increase its influence among other states. During non-presidential years, primaries are typically held in June. That would mean even-numbered council district races would have a longer campaign period, about eight months between the primary and the runoff. A longer campaign with more voters, of course, means a more expensive one. And that may make those races more susceptible to outside money. Here's Vice Mayor Rex Richardson. By aligning with the state, uh, the amount of voters quadruples, doubles and quadruples. Our limits are very low. The amount of money it would take to communicate with more voters would mean, uh, without addressing campaign finance reform, um, essentially it makes our campaigns more dependent on outside spending, independent expenditure campaigns. And those typically uh, have, there's no control that a candidate has over these campaigns. A lot of times it's divisive. A lot of times uh, the facts aren't correct. And it's some of the worst types of campaigning. On the other hand, races for odd-numbered council districts, the mayorship, and citywide offices would have shorter and cheaper campaigns. Mayor Garcia said that the state legislature is aware of the potential issues caused by the discrepancy and is discussing how to better coordinate election dates across all years. You're listening to KLBP 99.1 FM, Long Beach Public Radio. After the break, we'll talk a bit about what the city is doing to prevent violent crime amid an increase in shootings. Stay with us.
I'm Kevin Flores, editor at Forth.org, and you're listening to City Council Meeting Notes on KLBP 99.1 FM. The council this week convened a study session on what the city is doing to prevent violent crime, which has increased in the last year. Police Chief Robert Luna opened his presentation to the council with a reminder that while there was an increase in crime in 2020, a tumultuous year for many reasons, ranging from the pandemic to record unemployment, Long Beach is still experiencing historically low crime rates. And you see that in 1991, uh, Long Beach um, cataloged 9,567 violent crimes. Again, that was in 1991. Uh, in 2020, if you compare it to 1991, there's a 75% decrease uh, down to 2,340 violent crimes. Again, that was last year in 2020. Still, Luna called the current increase in violent crime unacceptable and said that his department deployed a coordinated response team in late February to crack down on gun crime. Since then, the team has seized 38 guns and made 38 gun-related arrests, the chief said. He attributed a 36% citywide reduction in shootings since February to the team's formation, though areas in northern and central Long Beach continue to see an increase in shootings compared to last year. So what's been causing crime to increase? According to Luna, there are a variety of factors, including a spike in gun sales, an increase in poverty and unemployment over the last year, and after-school programs being paused due to the pandemic. He also said about a third of recent shootings are related to gangs. When I look at the, uh, the shootings that we have, um, uh, based on our statistics, it looks like about 32, just under 33% of our shootings appear to be gang related. Um, so that would mean that, uh, uh, what 67% uh, are not. Uh, so that is, is all over the board. Apart from beefing up enforcement around gun crimes, Luna said the department has also been piloting a program that puts officers on foot in the Washington neighborhood, an area that has been hit hard by the wave of shootings. Officers have spent 186 hours walking in the neighborhood and have made over 300 recorded community contacts since beginning the program on February 27th of this year. I'm happy to report that since the program's implementation, there has been a 40% decrease in reported shooting incidents in that area. This program has proven to be a true prevention and intervention tool. The health department has also been implementing various programs to help curb violence. They include street outreach, youth mentoring, reentry support, and sex trafficking intervention. But the health department's funding is much more precarious when compared to the police, which receives nearly 45% of the general fund. In contrast, the health department is not structurally funded, meaning its funding is not built into the city's budget. Instead, the health department relies mostly on grant funding to run its programs. This is something that the department's director, Kelly Kalapi, pointed out to the council on Tuesday. The city has done some great work in violence and gang prevention, yet each effort is an unfunded mandate or grant funded, and when the funding ends, the, the program ended. It's so very difficult to build a movement for safety with starts and stops based on funding. Ultimately, Mayor Garcia said that the pandemic has been an inescapable factor to a rise in crime in most major cities across the nation and that the local recovery efforts here have to include investments in public safety. Community safety is also a part of our recovery. It has to be centered around what we're doing, uh, which is a big reason why I believe the council also set aside money from the Recovery Act 
specific to violence prevention. So we have um, basketball programs coming back. We have park programs like the Be Safe programs in our neighborhoods coming back. We're focused on ensuring that the community has access to strong health programs. So that is all um, on, on its way. And I'm very grateful for that. And that about does it for this week, folks. Thank you for tuning in. There's no city council meeting next week, and instead we'll be bringing you a conversation with fourth editors and reporters about some of the pieces we've published this month. Special thanks to our engineer, Gabe Brales, the music by my colleague, Esther Kang. My name is Kevin Flores, editor at fourth.org. Take care.
blue jeans and your button-down dreams, I remember you. With a dog-eared book and a faraway look, I remember you. With your wayfarers on and your mind half gone, you looked like a Hemingway knight. Spoke some lies, but they looked you in the eyes, and your fire never ebbed out of sight. I remember you. You were always half wrong, even when you sang a song. I remember you. You were never really there. With your long brown hair, I remember you. If I talked of Rome, you were still at home on the deck with a drink in your hand. If I tried to scream, I would only seem like a Hector at a roadhouse band. I remember you. Even when I try to say no, I remember you. Even though it hurts me so, I remember you. We were too young to know how to live for the show. I remember you. We acted out of parts, and we threw in our hearts. I remember you, but the lines we had were written so bad. Was a screenplay missing a part? All the acting and the glory couldn't save our story that was doomed from the very start. I remember you. Even when I try to say no, I remember you. Even though it hurts me so, I remember you. Well, the years have gone. Now we've all moved on, but I remember you. Tried to clear my mind of all that wasted time, but I remember you. The smell of the rain, well, it brings back the pain, just like it was yesterday. I may try to forget, but I guess I don't regret the things that make me say I remember you. Even when I try to say no, I remember you. Even though it hurts me so, I remember you. In ways you will never know, I remember you. Even when 
to say no I remember you